The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. In his playing days, he was known as the Igniter. Now, he's here to kickstart your Sunday Twins fix. It's the Paul Molitor Show. You, know, you can hit a mistake a long way. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. There's not a lot of guys who can close on balls like that. It was quite a play. Just a dominant start by him. The Paul Molitor Show is sponsored by Killer Brew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Mahler Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. Well, good morning, and welcome to what promises to be a long, fun day of baseball here at Target Field. The Minnesota Twins and the Kansas City Royals play in a straight-up twin bill here today, and we kick it off with the Paul Molitor Show brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. You know what? In the spirit of things, you have two Killebrew Root Beers today. Uh, Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here as we get set uh, for a full day of baseball and a, a long night travel into Baltimore. And l- let's start there, Paul. First of all, is uh, you don't see a whole lot of straight doubleheaders. There are a lot of different things that go into rescheduling a game in Major League Baseball, and a lot of different voices have to be heard. What was that process like from the manager's office yesterday watching a foreboding forecast fully cognizant of travel schedules and roster issues and whatnot. How how did that all play out? Well, good morning to everybody. Uh, It was uh, one of those things where we we certainly had to have some uh, in-depth conversation about how to proceed after losing yesterday's game. Um, I know myself as the manager and and Derek and Thad, we we want to be respectful of players and the rights that they have regards to doubleheaders and uh, you know, we tried to look at what was best for our team. Um, there's there's never any guarantees about outcomes, but to push this game uh, that we, you know, are going to play today as far as doubleheader into September when they come back, it would have put us in a box where we'd play roughly 28 games in 26 days because of the schedule and some of the other doubleheaders that we're facing. And, uh, yes, you'll have an expanded roster in September, but I, I just think that we're playing catch-up with games right now. And you look mm-hmm. at the fact that, you know, a number of teams have played anywhere from five, six, maybe even seven more games than we have by the third week in May, and, and we're behind. And, and I don't think you want to get a situation of trying to make up all those games later in the year. I think it would, it would catch up to you. So, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we try to make the best decision for our team and moving forward, and, and we're going to play two games today. Paul, you know, you you lived in a generation that there was uh, planned yes. straight trouble headers. So we we used so to look forward Sunday. to the off day yeah. because we'd play two in one on one day. But uh, uh, talk about the mentality of these guys having to play two double headers within four game four three days now, sure. uh, and possibly some more inclement weather when we right. go to Baltimore. Well, I, I think that uh, you know. Double headers, like you said, Jack, back in the old days, you kind of look forward to them because they were rare, and you know it was just kind of a way that they were able to compact 162 games into the schedule. And we all know that eventually, um, you know, revenue became part of the equation. Mm-hmm. That uh, you lose a gate when you schedule uh, a straight double header, and therefore the the splits kind of got momentum, and we've seen it now over the past couple of de- decades. But uh, you know, the players have rights, too, and we know the difficulty in playing doubleheaders, especially now as we look at two here in a matter of days. Um, but you try to look at the big picture, and I think everyone was in uh, agreement that to try to make up these two games today was the best way without burdening, burdening ourselves too much uh, in the latter stages of the season. The, the big impact is obviously going to be starting pitching anytime you start messing with the sure. schedule. Uh, the Twins maybe caught a couple of breaks with some washouts earlier this year and where you were able to keep guys online and, and not need a fifth or sixth guy when you were trying to figure out who they were. Now you kind of are, are in the point where you get to pay, pay that bill. 
Uh, what are the different options? What are the different discussions in terms of how your pitching will unfold, not only just today but even into uh, tomorrow? Well, I, uh, you know, we were fortunate, no question, between the off days and the rainouts so that we haven't had to really – uh, worry about filling out our, our rotation, uh, but things change in a hurry, and and now we're looking at a situation because of the rain out earlier in the week and having to move uh, both Santana and Barrios to the first doubleheader, and now today we're using two starting pitchers in Hughes and Mejia that uh, we're going to have to make, name someone for tomorrow in, in Baltimore. But what helps um, our cause at least a little bit is that Thursday's a schedule off day and we'll be able to get everybody back online even with maybe an extra day's rest moving forward after that off day. Paul, i got to believe that this whole you know, weather-related games, back-to-back-to-back, doubleheaders, those kind of things, the most concern has got to be the bullpen. Uh, the fact that uh, Irvin and Jose went out and pitched deep into the game on the one doubleheader, uh, today you've got to be hoping sure. for kind of the same results so that that bullpen doesn't get over. Well, over uh, there's no question. We were fortunate. We got, uh, uh, you know, 15-plus innings combined from our two starters in the first doubleheader this week, and we only had to use three guys mm-hmm. uh, in a doubleheader coming out of the pen, which is not the norm by any means. And so – you know, you're hoping for longer outings today from both of your guys. Um, I don't think the mindset of today's bullpen pitchers are – I don't know how many guys we could even really think about using in both games. It's just yeah. maybe the old days that was a little more frequent. A guy would come in and maybe get a couple of saves or whatever the case might be. And so the the concern is I, we'll be fine today. You just don't want to beat it up too badly in a sense that you're going into Baltimore facing a really good offensive team with a little bit of a short – short bullpen we got to take our first break here paul molitor is our guest it's the paul molitor show when we come back we'll go from talking about games that didn't get played to the games that did get played a lot to chew on there it's next on your home for twins baseball this is the treasure island baseball network welcome back to the paul molitor show brought to you by killer root beer pop a couple today made in minnesota how memories are created legends are made had a couple killer root beer root beer floats yesterday for my Daughter, it's uh, the great way to go. So uh, enjoy one at the ballpark. Uh, before we get back into kind of where we are with the schedule, Paul, uh, I don't want the the win on Friday to get lost because that was a real team effort. Those are the types of wins that you see from teams that are that are all you know to use TK's analogy, paddling in the same direction. Sure. As that game unfolded, really, it was almost two games. I mean, it was more of the same that missed opportunities. You'd been struggling to score runs for about a, a about a week. And then the back half of that ball game, it was a whole different vibe. It was uh, it was a fun game, you know, when you're able to come back and win. And we talked a little bit about after the game that uh, part of the way that our game has changed is just the dominance of bullpens, and it has made comebacks more difficult. I mean, you look at teams' records, you know, leading after seven innings, eight innings, nine innings, and they're rarely blemished, at least not very extensively. And the ones that are usually get buried at the bottom somewhere along the way. But, uh, you know, Hector had a little trouble with his command, but somehow he kept him to three runs, and uh, we did miss some opportunities, which always concerns you about how the final score might turn out. But we kept getting guys on base and just waiting for that one big hit, and, and sure enough, Kenneth comes up there and, and changes the whole uh, the look of the game by tying it up there late. And we were able to go on and, and put together a, a rally in extra innings and, and come away with a win. So that, those ones definitely, they feel good, they're... They create momentum, all those type of things. 
hopefully with you know losing the game yesterday, we we still can recapture a little of that momentum that we felt from that game and, and get off to a good start for today's first game. We've all been around this game long enough to realize that young teams ride a more of an emotional roller sure. coaster than veteran teams, but. You know, the reaction late in those games, how much can that help a young team to come back, win a game, and, and just feel like team is a huge part of it? I, I could just see everybody sure. wanting to hug each other. I mean, that was <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah, that's real. I, I think the uh, uh, the feeling around our club right now is really it's, you know, cheer for the next guy no matter mm-hmm. what happens previous, and everyone's kind of on board and moving in the same direction, and part of it's because we're winning. You know, you, you can always argue, is, is the chemistry created in spring training, and you carry it out, or as your games unfold, uh, your team kind of gets a feel of their ability to compete each and every day, and, and maybe uh, find a way to come back and win a couple of uh, games like we saw the other day. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're getting everybody involved, and guys are contributing, whether it's one day it's pitching like we saw with Barrios the other day, and Yesterday, the guys coming off the bench were, were big contributors. So uh, it's just nice to know you can win games in different fashions. Nothing but wins against Kansas City. Good time to yeah. be playing them. Well, I, I think it is to some degree. You know, you don't want to, you know, assume anything by any means. Right. You know, when scheduling this doubleheader today, part of your discussion goes, we don't know what's going to happen today. You know, you'd like to think that you could take advantage a little bit, uh, that we're playing well. We, we've we've had some really good games against this team. Uh you know, you, you try to take advantage of that when you can, but they got a lot of prideful veterans who are experienced. They they know how to come out and play the game the right way every day, and they're swinging the bats a lot better now than they were when we saw in the first couple of series too. So they're definitely dangerous, and uh, you know we're just gonna have to try to find a way to you know get a good start from Phil and and, and figure out their starting pitcher today, and ho- hopefully. Um, Give us a chance to head to the last game with with a pretty good homestand. Yeah, straight doubleheader today. Twins and the Royals. As uh, Jack mentioned, the Twins 6-0 and against Kansas City this year. They've won seven straight, dating back to last year, matching a franchise record. We'll stop uh, briefly here to catch our breath. When we come back, we'll talk more with manager Paul Molitor on your home for Twins baseball. Happy Sunday morning. It's the Palm Oliver Show brought to you by Tillery Root Beer. Doubleheader today, Twins and the Kansas City Royals. Jack Morrison Studio, Paul Molitor is here. One thing, and we, we kind of touched on, alluded to it uh, in the wake of the game Friday, it's been a different guy or a different way to win a lot of times mm-hmm. this year. We've seen at times players carry the offense, uh, whether it be Miguel, whether it be Vargas for a short, uh, short stretch. Max has been hot. Joe's been hot. The one guy we, we kind of haven't seen have that tear yet is Brian Dozier. Mm-hmm. Do you see signs that maybe that's coming for your second baseman? Uh, you know, I, th- I think we're all uh, not overly concerned about uh, the fact that his st- start hasn't been, uh, you know, one in which maybe that, you know, he's uh, – he'd probably even say he hasn't played up to what he know he can do in this game. But he's been steady. Uh, you know, he's been able to keep his on-base bers- on percentage up there as a leadoff guy around, you know, 330, 340, which is not horrible. Um, he's taken walks. Um, he just hasn't had that real hot streak yet. You know, a couple of two, three days ago, he had like three or four at bats in the game that I thought all were outstanding. And then uh, didn't have the best doubleheader. All he did have a sacrifice fly. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, I'm not sure how much that ankle has affected his swing. You know, it's his landing foot, so he doesn't maybe have that, that sturdiness on his front side. But, uh, you know, he's. We all know he's capable of getting hot. Uh, last year, his first half wasn't great, but he had an incredible second half. So, yeah, keep running him out there, and, and we'll just uh, be patient and wait, wait for him to get going to a little bit higher level. 
Well, it's always got to be difficult, and I don't care what generation you're in, when you have a veteran player that goes through a tough time and the impatience of the average fan and what, what does the manager do about sure. that veteran player. Um, we've talked a lot about a guy like Sano and Vargas, that they have the ability, if they just stay within themselves and make good contact, have good approaches, you know, the ball can go everywhere. But you, you see Dozier a lot. Maybe I'm wrong, and that's what I'm asking you. You see Dozier a lot trying to pull the ball and hit the ball yeah. out of the ballpark instead of staying with himself and go to right and all the sure. kind of things that you hope that a guy, especially a leadoff guy, would do. Is that something that uh, I'm just missing, or is that true? No, I, I, it's it's a little bit uh, uh, goes to the conversation that when we talked in spring training about lineup construction that – you know he's not an ideal leadoff guy. I mean he he's a, he gets 90% of his hits to the pull side and he hits into the shift quite a bit. But you know the fact that he's been able to uh, construct uh, his last two or three years with that approach, it's made me a little bit more patient with the fact that at times I wish he would use the whole field a little bit more and maybe bunt a little bit more and do things that are more uh, resembling a, a prototypical leadoff hitter. But um, you know, you can't argue with his body of work. He finds a way yeah. to drive in runs and score runs. And um, so, you know, you just think that when you're struggling a little bit, you might try to make a little bit of adjustment until you get back on track. But he, he's trying. I, I see him working on his right field stroke. I see him working on his bunting. Um, yeah, it's, it, you just want to, you know, do what you need to do in your role to try to help your team win. And, I, and I'm not trying to throw him under the bus because I know that, you know, and we all believe that he's going to come out of this and, have a productive second half at least the rest yeah. of the year like he did last year. Uh, one thing I think we should mention, and you can address this better than I can, a lot of times fans will see a player that's struggling and wonder why he's in there. And yet we both know, we see it every day, Chris sees it because we're here early a lot, guys doing extra work and sure. trying to really uh, get through their, their tougher yeah. times. And I mean, does that it's got to well, come into play for you? I, I, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I do keep up a little bit with with what's being said about our players, and <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, from the inside out as opposed to outside in, it's always going to be a little bit different sure. for you. Whether you talk about, you know, why isn't Vargas playing every day, and you know, and, and Joe needs to sit down more often, and you know, why? How can we hit these guys in this slots? It, it's the one thing I, I kind of think is a little bit comical when, when I hear about moving people out of certain slots in the lineup, they, they never have suggestive replacements. <laughs> so Leave it empty. You know, for a, man, for a manager, um, yeah, I'm aware of stats and what our guys are doing, but I, I like guys that take good, consistent at-bats. They don't always, you know, maybe finish them off or the results aren't great, but guys that compete each and every at-bat that they get. And, and guys that throw them away or, or can't put together, you know, two, three, four good at-bats a day, uh, and you're just hoping maybe they have one that's productive, I, I'd rather go for the guy that's going to give me four good at-bats every day. That's a very well, well good way of putting it. And, and it's something we've seen across the board this year. This is a team everyone wants to talk about, oh, they walk more, they're, they're driving up pitch counts. That, that all comes back to taking good at-bats, right? Yeah. I mean, that take consistently good at-bats will give you – those results down well there. it just you know quickly i you know a lot of these days i'm deciding between kenny and and grossman mm-hmm. and they're two different players and and kenny can do what he did the other night and it, it gives your team a huge lift um, he's working on consistency of his at-bats there's certain matchups that are better for him and robbie's just been a steady grinder and it's uh 
been one of those guys. He he slows the game down by driving piss counts up. He takes his walks. He gets his hits. So it's just kind of one of those things where you got to try to make that decision every day according to who do you think is going to have a chance to get that particular pitcher. Now you got two lineups to fill in uh, today. Yeah. So you got all sorts of choices. We'll take our last break. We'll come back and maybe talk about how you go about approaching 18 innings of baseball when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Paul Molitor Show. Paul Molitor's here. Jack Morris is here. I don't know what I'm doing in the room, but it's uh, brought to you by Killerbury Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Uh, Paul, we're talking about the different options, and and I, I'm going to say you've done a great job of riding a hot hand, as, whether it's Escobar over the course of the last two yeah. weeks or Kenny or, or Robbie and balancing that. Always a different challenge when you know you've got two lineups to fill out in the same day. Now, you can't try to win the second one till you win the first one, but how do you go about approaching knowing you're going to need everybody, all hands on deck for two games? Uh, you know, I, I think different managers are a little maybe change. Uh, there's a difference in philosophies. I, I really do like to get all the position players a chance to play when you got two games, and I'm trying to look at the best way to do that. We're going to go fairly atypical in the first game. Uh, Vargas is going to... DH today, and, and, and Robbie won't be in there. Uh, and there other otherwise, we'll have the normal people playing with uh, Phil pitching. But I've, I've got a couple different lineups in the second game, options of sitting Joe or Doge or, or Sano. Uh, I, I'm going to try to mix in, you know, Escobar and Adrianza and Jimenez in the second game, and, and uh, Robbie will be back in there too. It's just a matter of how they're going to get slotted. you got to like uh, your contributions out of the bullpen uh, this last week too. Duffy's kind of stepped it up. And yeah. Ryan Presley, very impressive his last couple outings. Well, it's, it's been great to see. It's a huge part of what you try to accomplish collectively. Uh, you know, Duffy's been good all year. You know, you got to – tip your hat to the fact that he's accepted and embraced being a reliever when he wanted to be a starter on this team and he's he's become reliable i know he's throwing strikes and uh he's one of my guys that i really feel really comfortable against right-handed or left-handers because that breaking ball plays and and presley um you know a little up and down early uh we all know that he's capable of getting big outs he's probably got the best stuff out there and it looks like he's starting to gain that confidence back and, and you know, he's striking people out he's getting ahead all the things that he needs to do to be successful paul when you when you have a young pitcher come up that's pitched in the starting rotation for most of his minor league years uh, or time and yep. he comes up and he doesn't really click as a starter is it more important that the guy that goes to the bullpen have a swing and miss pitch uh, relative like like some guys yeah. just are pitch to contact guys are they harder to convert as guys in the bullpen or the swing and miss pitch guys uh, seem to uh, slot well, out better in the bullpen? I, I think most likely, at least in a general sense, the guys that can get swing and misses are going to adapt a little bit better. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have a really good sinker ball guy that can come in when you got a first and third one out and maybe get you off the field with one pitch, uh, th- those are valuable too. You know, Kansas City's got this Moylan guy that, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't strike a lot of people out, but he sure can get some ground balls. And Kinsler in our closer role is not a guy who strikes out a lot of people. Not that he's been a starter, but, he, you know, it, he relies on contact and gets it on the ground. Uh, Trevor May, for a few years for us, a, a converted starter, but he turned into a swing and miss guy out there. And I think Duffy can do that too. So it, it kind of depends on your stuff and how it's going to play and what role you might have to serve if you get transitioned out to the bullpen. Uh, this is probably an indictment of how I've managed the show so far. We only have about a minute left. We yeah. haven't talked about Jose Barrios. And, uh, he's yeah. the guy that we've been talking about yeah. a lot for a week. Jack and I, after that last start, 
just looking at each other like that. That's what baseball's supposed to look like. It makes it fun when he's on the mound doing that, being ahead in the count. Uh, I'm always protective of getting too carried away, yeah. but they've been two beautiful starts. And all the things that we've talked about with him, you know, getting ahead and strikes and attacking with his fastball. Uh, you know, he's worked a lot on his mechanics that Jack knows more about than I do, of trying to stay a little bit more north-south and not getting on the side of the baseball. And it's all been working, you know, so... When you have a young kid like that with that type of talent, he starts to gain some confidence, you're going to get good results, and hopefully it continues. Big boost uh, when you had to send Kyle Gibson out. He yeah. comes up and just night and day difference in results. Two big wins against two really good teams. Yeah. And, yeah, that's uh, exactly. It really, if he can keep it going, we all know that makes our rotation that much better. Sure. Yeah, so we expect eight every night then is what you're saying. <laughs> and two hits. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> two, two, two strikeouts. Hits. Well, we got a nice uh, long day of baseball here today. Uh, you got Phil in game one, Mejia in game two, and in 30 seconds, just Mejia, the, the key, throwing strikes, throwing it over the plate. You know, he was, uh, he's, in spring, he was great, attacked. Uh, I think he came into the season and tried to do a little bit too much, which is not surprising. And we just tried to get him to slow down and uh, trust his location more than try to blow people away. And he's had a, some good starts down there. Hopefully he comes up here a little bit more confident and ready for, uh, to take on a spot in our rotation. Now, it should be a fun day of baseball here at Target Field. Paul, we appreciate the insight and honesty as always. Okay, guys. Have Thank a good you. Sunday. All yeah. right. That's Paul Molitor. Jack Morris is here as well. Again, this is the start of a nice day of baseball here at the ballpark. Noon inside Twins with Corey Provis. 1230 is our pregame lineup card. And then let's play two Twins and Royals from Target Field. This is your home for Twins Baseball.